GM, GM, welcome to the Web3 Academy Weekly Roll-Up, where we run down all the top news from the last week to keep you ahead of the crowd and up to date. My name is Jay Bird, and this is Kyle Reedhead. What is up, my friends? In this episode, we have a bit of a banger, and we are going to discuss many different things. Uh, first, Google and Coinbase found some love, and they formed a nice long-term relationship and I love that, okay? We're going to talk about SEC versus the apes. Yep, that's right. You heard it. Uh, the SEC is going after the Board Ape Yacht Clubs and the Yuga Labs, and we're going to talk about what that's what's all going on there. Uh, hacks on hacks on hacks, BNB being the biggest of them all. Uh, Binance Smart Chain was hacked. We're going to talk about what's going on there, uh, as well as some other kind of shady things happening in this space. Dapper Labs restricts Russians from using its applications, NBA top shops and things like that. Um, so what's going on with that? And why is that even, how is that even possible? And finally, our last discussion here, before we get into a bunch of quick hits, is tokenizing athletes' careers. This is actually mm. super, super cool. I'm excited to dive into this one. Uh, but before we do any of that, we like to practice gratitude. So Jay, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for Dundas West. Dundas West is a neighborhood in Toronto, which is actually the headquarters of Impact DM, which is Kyle and I's marketing agency. It's also where I have a property that I rent out on Airbnb. So quick show, if anybody's looking for an Airbnb in Toronto, hit me up. <laughs> but the reason I'm grateful for Dundas West is it was recently ranked, this just this week, the number 12 coolest neighborhood in the world. Come in on. the world by what? Time Out Magazine. It is uh, nice. So shout out to Dundas West. What a neighborhood. I love it. Dundas, that's that's Little Portugal, is it not? That's right. Little, Portugal. little Portugal. Yeah, I love it. Great mix, mix of, you know, old Portuguese immigrants, Brazilian immigrants, and then like hip coffee shops and like very like, I wouldn't say high-end restaurants, but like sort of the restaurants that have a vibe and are exploring yeah, yeah. like culinary and a new innovative way just yeah i mean cow that was we lived together there for three yeah. months back in the day we did it's a great spot and it's funny my gratitude today is europe i'm grateful for europe i just spent the last 90 days in europe 90 days is all i'm allowed to have and uh it was an incredible 90 days i was so excited i, I basically explored portugal and spain for the most part went to germany for a little bit as well um but just uh it was great to live the european summer and the european life for a little bit Coffee there is amazing. I even started watching a little bit of soccer. I was going to call it football, but I'm going to stick to my roots here and call it soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I went to an FC Barcelona game, uh, but I'm back home. I'm in Canada. I will be here for a few months, uh, which is exciting and nice, but I'm very grateful for my time there in Europe. And thank you to all the Europeans who showed me the ways of the more relaxed and chill lifestyle of Europe. So thank you. That's that's so nice. The relaxed, chill lifestyle of Europe. Can we Can we bring that back to Canada? We can we can try, but let's get into some of these stories because uh, some of this stuff is not relaxing. But before we do, let's hear from our sponsor who makes this episode and this podcast possible, Lens Protocol. Let's learn all about it. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens, to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. Okay, first up on the news today, Google partners with Coinbase to take cloud payments with cryptocurrencies. Kyle, what's going on here? This is a big one. You have the biggest company in Web3 partnering with, I mean, one of the biggest companies in the mm -hmm. world, not even Web2, but just in general in the world, Google. Uh, this, I think, is a big step forward for the industry. 
Um, and you know, it's interesting. We were just talking about Google Cloud. I think it was two weeks ago on the roll up, and mm -hmm. we had said what they were doing. You know, they, they I think they put the merge thing up on Google and a few others, and we were like. I feel like something's going to happen here. Like, I feel like they're kind of hinting at something and boom, here it is. Basically what they're doing is one, they are going to be allowing customers to pay for Google cloud and their cloud services in crypto starting uh, in early 2023. So that's really cool. They haven't said which cryptos they will allow, uh, but they did say that it's more than just Bitcoin. Uh, so for you Bitcoin maxis out there, um, it's crypto. It's not Bitcoin that they're allowing. It's crypto. Okay. Uh, and so we'll see which ones they allow, but either way, that's really cool. Google is also exploring using Coinbase prime for storing and reading crypto. So it looks like either they're going to put it on their balance sheet. Obviously if they're accepting crypto, they need to do something with it. So they'll probably use the, um, the corporate, uh, service and product that Coinbase offers It's called Coinbase prime. So that's really cool. And then finally Coinbase will move their apps some of their apps from AWS, so Amazon Web Services, over to Google Cloud. Um, mm. So this is great for many reasons. Uh, but I think, first of all, it's we're building strong relationships and we're making friends with some of the biggest companies in the world. And that, to me, is super, super huge. It legitimizes the, the, the industry. There's also always this talk about, like, well, what if Amazon decides to shut down their Amazon Web Services for crypto companies? Then we're screwed, right? Mm -hmm. And so now we're making a friend of a company who's not going to do that because they're in a partnership mm -hmm. and they've they've made a deal on this. So that's really cool. I really, really like that. Now, the rest of it is kind of whatever. Accepting crypto, like, is that really a big deal? And we actually, in our Discord with our community, we're talking about this. And there's a few questions like, why does that even really matter, right? Like, what's the point? Is accepting crypto really that cool. Like I don't want to pay and spend my Bitcoin or my Ethereum. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people miss here and why they're, this is a big unlock actually to, to accept crypto and payments is a few reasons. One, if you no longer need to use PayPal or Stripe, well, they charge a 3% fee for every transaction that happens. So it's actually cheaper to use crypto. Uh, now, if you're using the Ethereum L1, maybe not because of gas fees, although there's basically <laughs> no gas fees right now. But I mean, when you're using layer twos and, and you know, things like Solana, whatever, like it's essentially free. Um, so you don't you can go peer to peer now. We don't need an intermediary company to make that transaction for us. So that is a huge mm -hmm. unlock. And especially when we're talking big amounts of money, that is saving a lot of money for, I mean, people and for businesses. So that's cool. The other big thing I would say here is. And if you're in the developed world, so you live in the US, Canada, Australia, UK, whatever, this might not really matter to you because you can switch into the US dollar and pay in US dollar or pay in your Canadian dollar, Australian dollar, and it's pretty easy. There are a lot of countries in the world, though, that can't do this. So one, it is very expensive or very challenging for many countries to even get to US, US dollars, especially countries that are like sanctioned, you know, like Iran, mm -hmm. obviously like Russia right now is not able to do this. Um, but there's many countries like... Pakistan um, and a lot of the countries around there in the Middle East, they can't use Stripe and PayPal. So they even have mm -hmm. a means to like mm -hmm. purchase things in, in global commerce. Um, Argentina, you know, with the inflation they're having, they don't want to hold their currency, but it's super expensive to switch over into the US dollar. Turkey, like there's so many countries, especially right now, because currencies are kind of a shit show. So it is a pain for a lot of countries outside of the developed world to actually one, hold on to their own currency and two, pay in the normal currencies like US dollars or euros. So by allowing crypto, it opens up global commerce to the world, right? It allows anyone in any country to be able to use Google services uh, and be able to pay for those services in a, a way which does not tack on a bunch of extra fees and costs. So that to me is super, super cool. It's a big unlock for businesses, right? Because now they can sell the same product they've been selling, but to probably hundreds of millions of more people uh, because they don't have that barrier, right? Of PayPal, Stripe, or US dollar. Um, so that is really cool. So for me, I think this is a big step in the right direction. I think the more companies start to accept crypto, um, the better this is going to be for countries all around the world. So um, I'm super bullish on this. I absolutely love this. And I think at first I didn't really realize why crypto payments was that big of a deal. Now I'm starting to realize, oh shit, this is actually huge and we need more of this. So um Hell yeah. Good job, Google. Super excited. Google Cloud is the ones who's really had this partnership. I don't think it's like Google, the whole company, um, but we'll see where this goes. Super pumped. What do you think, Jay? Isn't it, isn't it so exciting that last week we we're talking about Apple, this week we we're talking about Google off the top. You mm -hmm. know, this is, this is us going mainstream. This is the biggest tech companies in the world jumping in full on into Web3 because this is where we're headed. 
right? Like you don't, there is no bigger signal than back-to-back weeks of, of this. My only question is like, where are the, where are the rest of the guys? Like what's Netflix doing? Why have we not seen a <laughs> single thing from Netflix? I, it shocks me actually that we haven't. And even Amazon hasn't really done much. It's mostly been, you know, we've seen, we've seen Facebook, we've seen Apple and now, and we've seen Google, we've talked about all three of those a bunch, mm. but, but not, you know, why, if I was Netflix, I'd be, I'd be dropping an NFT and making a movie with my community right now. Like, <laughs> why not? Netflix has done a terrible job on building community, right? Like mm. they have this thing where everyone's watching movies. All they had to do is create a social component to their platform and they would have an incredible product and they just didn't do that. And so they don't have the network effects like Facebook and others do because yep. no one on using Netflix can connect with someone else using Netflix. That's where they've kind of missed the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it would be tough for them, I think, to launch NFT because they don't have community there. Netflix, there is no community. But um I don't know. I mean, the so, other funny thing that came from this Google Cloud, uh, well, I guess this is just Google, Google, not Google Chrome, not Google Cloud, is you can start to search your um, uh, addresses, your ETH address right in Google. Um, we've tried it though, and it doesn't work. So maybe it's only in certain <laughs> countries. I don't know. But yeah, Jay's got it up on the, str- on the screen here. Uh, but you can literally just type in a, a wallet address into Google and it shows you like what, what they're holding. So that's really cool. Uh, it basically just pulls the data from EtherScan. So anyway, Google is starting to incorporate all these things. Um, and uh, yeah, let's keep keep pushing forward. Yeah, I mean, just Google. it just shows that all these all these big companies, they're having they're having meetings, they're running sessions, yeah. they're running se- seminars, and they're they're talking, what is our web three crypto metaverse strategy? What are we doing here? And and it's it's clear that the the adoption rate for these big companies is picking up pace, right? Exactly. We we keep seeing more coming out. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. Blockchain Rails is just a better infrastructure for these tech companies, right? Mm-hmm. It's cheaper, it's faster, it's more open. It's just a better value add to any business in the world. So like when we say Web3 strategy, a lot of people think like, what's they're going to be their community strategy and their NFT strategy? It's like, no, 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 no. It's the flow of money and the flow of value is so much easier and more efficient on a blockchain than it is any other way. And so every company is going to go this way because it just makes sense. It's, you know, it's just like when the internet launched, like obviously everyone was going to use the internet, right? It was just so apparent. Mm -hmm. The same is true with blockchain because it makes so many pieces of their business cheaper and faster and easier and and more inclusive. Um, So, yeah. All right, right, next next up. up. Let me ask you first, Jay. Board Ape Creators Yuga Labs faces SEC probe over unregistered offerings. Basically, the SEC is going after the Board Ape Yacht Club's uh, crew and the owners of them, Yuga Labs. What the heck's going on here? Wee, 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 sirens going off. First Kim Kardashian, now Board Ape Yacht Club. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? Everybody watch out. Gary Gensler's coming after you. (laughs) Gary's Gary's got a bone to pick with every NFT and crypto there is. Now let's be real here. Uh, the, the SEC has got to got to try to regulate, so they're going to make moves. Here's what happened, um, and this is, this is Bloomberg reported this. This is this is getting big news. It was all over crypto Twitter this week. Uh, is the SEC is they have launched a investigation or a probe into Board Ape Yacht Club, into and Yuga, sorry, I should say into Yuga Labs um, for their NFTs and ApeCoin being unregistered securities, right? So this is this is just a probe. They haven't actually said anything. There hasn't been any investigation released. All they're saying in the Kim Kardashian case, they did fine her. million or something. And she actually does have to pay that. Right. But this is, this is basically, I mean, this is the SEC saying like, they're trying everybody, every regulator, two things are happening. We got to figure out who's going to regulate this stuff. Is it going to be the SEC or is it going to be the CFTC? Right. And when you have two regulators that are fighting basically over well, we want this to be a commodity. We want this to be a security. I think we're just going to see a lot of news like this, where where they're like throwing like fireballs as much as they can 
out out the window to try to cause a stir and bring media attention to them and enable them to put funds behind it and enable them to approach the government and say, hey, you need to give us more so we can figure out and regulate this. So there, to be honest, there isn't a ton of news here from, I think a lot of people read this and they think, oh my gosh, like 48 Block Club is getting, you know, sued by the SEC or there's some sort of regulation coming down on them. Not true. And honestly, this probably won't lead very far. The SEC has already tried to do this a few times, right, Kai? What are they looking for? They have, but what are they looking for? Is there anything specific? So they're, they're looking at two main things. They're looking at, one, they're looking at the NFTs as, are NFTs a security? And okay. if they are said to be a security. But here's the thing. That is a, that the, there is currently a large, um, not investigation, but uh, like a committee that is within the SEC. Um, the is it the CFTC that re- regulates commodities? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, uh, whoever the like uh, one other large institution in America are are all are all looking into NFTs and figuring out what they're going to classify them as. So that's happening in the background. And honestly, if you have a chance to participate in that, you should, because there needs to be a lot of Web3 people in that. But this, this is just in the foreground of like them, them grasping at things. The, the interesting thing that they are doing is looking at ApeCoin. And what they're saying is, because what Yuga Labs did was, Yuga Labs launched ApeCoin and then immediately gave ownership over to the DAO. So the DAO governs and owns ApeCoin with ApeDAO. And when they gave ownership over to the DAO, that crosses some lines that are very undetermined because technically when you launch a, a security, typically the whoever launches that security has to like register that security. Uh, but because they gave it to a DAO, they kind of skirted around that. Mm-hmm. And so now there's this question of, well, what what's the DAO then? And how do we, if you're the SEC, would you go after the DAO if there's issues with the security? So that's that's also part of this probe. Right. So, I mean, the answer to why Netflix is not launching NFT is because this stuff is not clear yet, right? <laughs> it's because every lawyer in every big company in the world right now is saying, we are not doing any of this shit because it's nuts, right? Yeah. Uh, so we need this stuff figured out. Now, look, the SEC is probing. They've been doing this with, they did it with Uniswap last year too. Yeah. They wanted to look into the token. Same thing. Is it a security? Uh, nothing came of it. They they really found nothing from it. Um, so they've been doing this with a bunch of different companies. I mean, they're in a lawsuit right now with Ripple. Um, and, you know, we'll see how all that goes. But, you know, there is just not a lot um, that they've been able to do from it. I mean, the only thing they've come up with so far, the SEC, is to find Kim Kardashian for shilling yeah. Ethereum Max. So I'm not too concerned about this. But honestly, I hope it just enables them to create some good regulation because yeah. that's what these big companies need. So it's not a bad thing. Um, just please create some regulations or give us some guidance on what to do. That's, they're just sitting there like they're, they keep coming out with in this way, come out and just tell us, give us some guidelines. We'll follow them. Like help us uh, out. So ApeCoin dumped here is a seven and a half percent. From yeah, I think it actually this announced. Yeah, it actually, I think dumped 9% at this point, but wow, <laughs> uh, interesting. Speaking of sketchy activity happening in the web three space, Dapper Labs has hit Russian accounts with restrictions. Kai, what's going on here? Yeah, this was, uh, I don't like this one. This was a bit weird. And, and honestly, I didn't see this happening. So we talked about Dapper Labs quite a bit and how they're doing a lot to onboard some really big companies into the space. You know, they're working with NBA, uh, mm-hmm. UFC, NFL, et cetera. They, they are the ones who have NBA Top Shot. Um, so, I mean, they've been doing a lot here, which is cool and all. This one caught me a little bit off guard. So what's happening is... Um, They've blocked all of the Russian wallet addresses that use Dapper Labs. Uh, and the reason they can do that is Dapper Labs is a centralized company. Um, and so it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess what would be an example. It's kind of like, you could think of it like a centralized exchange like Coinbase where they can block their accounts. There's, this is not like a MetaMask. Like MetaMask couldn't do this. Uh, mm-hmm. But Dapper Labs can because you actually sign up on their platform. Now it is 
the the NFTs themselves in Dapper Labs are on the Flow blockchain. So technically you have that self-sovereignty, but they're storing them in the Dapper Labs wallet inside of a Dapper Labs application. And so Dapper Labs is able to just block any Russian um, uh, related address. And the reason that they have to, have to do this, I guess, is because of the EU sanctions that are on Russia, which is basically saying that you can't have um, any payments. So your payment service can't work with those that are in Russia. And so they have a payment service in order to use Dapper Labs and to buy these NFTs. And so they've had to block that payment service. So what's happened here is actually the, the Russian people have not lost their NFTs. They just can't do anything with them. So they can't sell them. They can no longer buy anymore. They can't trade them. They can't fund accounts. They just can't do anything, which is a bit odd. Um, I mean, one, I don't, and I'm sure everyone has different reasons here and different beliefs. The people that are, you know, using NBA top shots are probably families or kids, you know, who are interested in basketball. I don't know why we would ever block them, but this is the way it works. And this is what's happening in our geopolitical world. So it's ridiculous, but it is what it is. What kind of pisses me off here is why is this even allowed? Why are we able to do this, right? Um, and I mean, I guess it's important to understand like a lot of Web3 is just not decentralized yet, right? Um, I'm assuming that if these were wallets that were on the Flow blockchain and were like a proper non-custodial wallet, this could not be done. Uh, just like if you had a MetaMask wallet in Ethereum, MetaMask could not block you from buying and selling or trading NFTs. OpenSea could, but you know you could do it peer to peer without using a marketplace. So um, this one is just a, a little bit different because I mean Dapper Labs basically I think they own Flow Blockchain as well. They're the ones behind Flow Blockchain. So like it just kind of makes me believe like how centralized or decentralized is the Flow Blockchain? Like if I if there's someone that can just stop my NFT from being traded, yeah, I still own it, but what's the point? It doesn't have any value if I can't sell it or trade it or do anything with it anyway. So it's like, what's the point in using this blockchain? I might as well just use, you know, an image on a Facebook server. You know what I mean? Like there is no value to this NBA top shop or to any of these things if it's not on a decentralized blockchain that they can't block it. So anyway, it makes me sort of question what we're doing here. It just, what's the point? I don't really get it, you know? Yeah, I think uh, this is the, the transition that's so difficult of getting... Yeah more major players onto web three is they are looking to use centralized blockchains. And this has come up, this comes up like almost once a week right now, but we want decentralization. And we've talked about the, the importance of decentralization. You pointed it out in the first story around Google and the fact that we're opening up payments to the world and you can sell your product to a much bigger global audience. And you can ensure that People who don't have bank accounts can purchase and can participate in the global economy. That's amazing. But then at the same time, we we have to, it's almost like we have to use some centralized blockchains to get there because yeah. that's the only way to onboard these large organizations like NBA and and to be fair, USC. it's not just flow here. Like, for example, on Ethereum, like if you use USDC which is a, a centralized company circle who who mints those USDCs mm -hmm. and, and sort of runs that, they can block your address and not allow you to interact with USDC because it is a centralized application, you could think of it as, um, running on Ethereum, right? So there are a lot of use cases like this, like OpenSea can block you as well if you're in a certain location from interacting with them. Mm -hmm. Now, the beautiful thing is that if you're on Ethereum, you still own your stuff and you can go and trade with it elsewhere. I don't even know if there's other apps and things on Flow blockchain to like, they could do this with, but it sounds like Russians are just kind of screwed here. They can't do anything with it. And that to me, if there's not an escape route, I, I'm okay with some apps being like, I don't want this person to you or these type of people to use my service. And if they need to block that down, then sure, whatever. I mean, I don't love it, but it's it's fine. But they should at least be able to take their stuff and still go elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the weird part of it is like, hey, we're not gonna let user service and the things that you own here we're actually not even going to give that back to you. It's like, what? Screw you, man. Like that's insane. If you mm -hmm. want to say, Hey, you can't, you can't use my service. That's fine. But at least let them take their shit and go on somewhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the part that really like pisses me off. But anyway, well, I we'll mean, see where this goes. And the, uh, the, the example of that was, I was speaking to uh, somebody uh, in who lives in Italy, but is, is Russian recently. And she was saying that Coinbase shut her account down. Coinbase yeah. said, Hey, you have a Russian passport can't use Coinbase anymore, sanctions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
you know, won't get into the sanctions and the fight that she had to deal with there. Uh, but they just Did said, she remove? Did she remove they just said, Hey, you can, you know, you can remove, you got to remove all your assets. Here's the process to do that. You can move it wherever you want. She moved it to Binance. Right. And right. Which, you know, that it's, makes not, sense. it's not ideal. It's not ideal for her it sucks, but like you said, they gave her the opportunity to just right. deal with it, right? Which is fine because we need these centralized companies to be like we need Coinbase, right? We yeah. we, we, we this we would be nowhere without Coinbase, right? So we mm -hmm. need it. But Coinbase is a U.S. entity and it's a public company, which again needed to happen to legitimize the industry. So we need that, and that's fine. And they have to follow the U.S. sanctions and U.S. rules, and it is what it is. That's fine. I'm not against that, but you got to give them an escape route, otherwise. It's like jail, <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Binance Smart Hot Chain. take. <laughs> Binance Smart Chain hacked, what was it, like 500 million bucks or something like that? I don't know. Tell me what's going on here, Jay, because this is crazy. Yeah, okay. So Binance Smart, Binance Chain was hacked. Initially, it seemed like it was 500 million. It ended up being 200 million. So sorry, it's two million, two million BNB, which is worth five hundred and sixty-six million USD, was what the like total hack was. But then they only ended up getting out one million, so mm -hmm. they didn't get it all out. But basically, what happened? One hundred million. One hundred million. He means to say, sorry, one hundred million. Yeah. Um, basically, what ended up happening here was Binance has two chains. One which supports their app ecosystem and their smart contract ecosystem, and one which supports their fungible token side. And so they have these two chains, and there's a bridge between those two chains. And somebody came in, and it gets super technical, and I don't even fully understand how the technical hacker side of this is. That's why I'm not a hacker. Uh, but somebody basically came in and was able to create a fake proof, which is something that a block creates. And in creating this fake proof, they were able to create, basically create 2 million BNB to give wow. to themselves. So like they didn't even steal the BNB necessarily. I mean, they did steal it, but they, they actually like minted it. Like it wasn't in existence before. They just oh. created it and then gave it to themselves. So they like the Fed. They're just was this Jerome Powell <laughs> printing money, printing money, and then causing extreme inflation, yeah, and then yeah. throwing us into a recession. Thanks. Uh, so, so in what happens here is they they do this hack, they take the money, and then very quickly Binance responded. They all validators shut down. They paused. They figure out okay, what's going on here. And now it's what's very interesting about this is, and you know, we can talk about, I think Kai will talk about bridges and bridge the issue with bridges in a second, because I think that's the main conversation here. But what the other thing that's interesting about this is what Binance is saying they're going to do is they're going to allow the community to vote on what they do with this money. And one option they could do is they could uh i'm trying to think of the word they could basically like burn it right they could take this money back from this wallet that they can see uh and so that's you know now we get back into the centralized decentralized conversation again but they're allowing the community to vote so if the community votes in favor of that uh yeah it's, it'll be interesting to see the way this plays out very interesting i'm just looking to see what happened to the price uh just uh checking it out on, on coin gecko i'm assuming it, it tanked uh but uh I mean, look, we know that BNB is a centralized chain. I think most of the validators on this chain are from Binance. So uh, that's obvious. It, I guess it's cool that they're making the community, allowing the community to make a decision. I mean, the big thing for me here is just, man, these bridges are a mess. And like, the thing is Vitalik warned us a long time ago. He wrote a big article on this of like, look, we don't have the ability to create chain to chain bridges right now through cryptography. There's always a centralized way. Now, I don't know if this hack even had anything to do with that. It sounds like if they were between two BNB chains, maybe this isn't the issue. I'm not sure. But the, the wonderful thing about blockchain is that it's all done in cryptography, okay? Which is essentially, it's not, you can't hack cryptography yeah. because the way the incentives are aligned, it's just, it makes it next to impossible to hack, okay? 
But when you go from one chain to another chain, you're no longer using cryptography, right? Parts of it may be using cryptography, which is, um, so parts of it may be using that, but most of it is not. And you have to rely on some sort of normal code and normal infrastructure. And you also have to rely on some sort of centralization. Someone has to hold those funds and move them to the other chain. They are not just all on a blockchain through cryptography. And that is the big problem here. The big unlock in blockchain is that they are written in cryptography and that is what allows us to be basically immutable and unhackable. But when you introduce bridges from one chain to another, and I mean things like Ethereum to Binance Smart Chain or Ethereum to Solana or whatever, that's where these like risk factors come in. And that's why all of these, not all, but most of these bridges are getting hacked, right? We've seen mm -hmm. it over the last two years, just time after time, month after month, it's a bridge getting hacked. We need to stop using these bridges, number one. Um, the way Vitalik described it is actually not going to be possible. It's just never going to be possible to, to completely have a bridge from one chain to a different chain through cryptography. The only way that this is possible is if it's built in the same ecosystem, like layer twos on Ethereum. Those bridges are fully done via cryptography and they can be fully decentralized and basically immutable. But you can't build one from Ethereum to let's say Binance Smart Chain. At least not right now. now. Maybe they can figure out a way to do this. I don't really know and understand enough. But the way that I've read it and explained from experts in this space, it's just not possible. And so there's this whole idea of it's going to be a multi-chain future, and I'm, and I'm sure it will. I just don't know that it's going to be what people think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be these like hundreds of blockchains, and they're all bridged together and moving around. Yeah. I don't see it. I just don't. It doesn't make sense. I think, yes, there's going to be hundreds of layer twos built on Ethereum, and that's a multi-chain future, uh, future, but it's all in one ecosystem and it's all done through cryptography. So it removes all of the risk that we keep having here. Now, that's not to say there's going to be no other blockchains other than Ethereum. I think there will be. Solana and other things may exist, but I don't know that they're going to be connected. I, I really don't know. I think they're mm. all going to serve their own purposes in some form or way. And I don't know how we're going to connect them. I really don't get it because we can't continue to have these sort of hacks. It's, this is a lot of money, 500 million. It's a lot, right? Um, and the, the the tech world, right? The rest of the world is not going to be down with this. Like Netflix and Google and these things, they're not going to interact with these chains if there's $500 million hacks going on all the time. You know, it's a mm -hmm. shit show. So anyway... I don't know where this goes. I don't have a solution. I'm not a developer. Um, I just would not trust any single bridge right now unless it is one that is done through cryptography, which is a layer one to a layer two. Other than that, get out. Cosmos also has this between their chains. It's all done through cryptography. So great what they're doing. Um, Avalanche is working on that, whatever. But cross chain, be careful. That's all I got to say. It's just so interesting that the, the bridge is really the problem. And it's a good reminder that all of, not all, but the majority of the hacks that we see and discuss in are related to bridges. And so I, I just wonder is where do we go with this? Is this going to be, are we just going to create another centralized point then? So like bridges, because we will need bridges if there's a multi-chain world. So are bridges going to be centralized organizations that are, basically just like another stripe or something like that that takes a three percent and keeps it in custody and ensures that it's safe and we just you know we create another i think another if that happens stripe. i think if that happens though then we just don't go multi-chain like what would be the point right. you know what i mean like it's just dangerous yeah, yeah. there so uh, yeah i don't know we'll see uh this is why i'm very much bullish on the theorem ecosystem because they seem to have all of these problems figured out um but I don't know about the small chain world. I'm sure there will be more chains. I'm not like an ETH maxi by any means. I'm just, I'm a cryptography maxi. Uh, and I don't like a lot of, I mean, I guess I do like risk because I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, so, but not with my money. So anyway, we'll see where that goes. What about, would you take your money, Kai, and would you put it onto an athlete's future by oh. buying an NFT? So this is actually really cool. At first I would have said no, but as I've looked into this, now I'm like, this is actually super cool. So check this out. There's a company called Fantium, I believe is how you would pronounce it. Fantium, yeah. Um, and basically what they're doing is fans can use digital assets to bet on the future success of their favorite up and coming sports stars, right? So instead of just placing a bet though and walking away with some sort of monetary reward, 
you the bet that you're making is via an NFT and allows fans to connect with the athletes and have reoccurring rewards based on their success. So you actually share in the revenues that an athlete may make in their future potential salaries or sponsorships or however they do it. Now, we've sort of talked about this before, and we actually haven't really touched on this too much lately, but social tokens is what comes to mind here, right? Is mm-hmm. um, you you kind of have a, an ecosystem for a musician or for a whoever, you think about it like a DAO, and you can share in kind of the opportunity of the upside, right? This is what a DAO essentially is. Um, and so we've, we've talked about it with musicians, with artists, et cetera, uh, but this company is doing it with, uh, with athletes. And I was kind of like, okay, so I can launch a bunch of, tokens and they could be fungible or non-fungible in this case fantium does it with nfts um and basically what's happening here is i'm saying hey buy this nft fund me right and i will give you x percent of my revenues in the future if i make it as an athlete as a musician i get it because you know you want your community to help support you they can help you with marketing and sharing your music and you know whatever else they can attend your events and things like that so cool that makes a lot of sense. But I was like, as an athlete, what can your community do to help you be successful? Like, it's not like be you cheer, need marketing. Be cheerleaders come out yeah, and like, cheer you on. <laughs> so I didn't actually get it. And then I was kind of reading more into this and it's really around the funding part of it. So, well, there's two points. So one is the funding. So one of the problems with athletes when they come out of, let's say college, if they don't have a family with a lot of money, you know, how are they going to make it as a professional athlete unless they've already, you know, been drafted to a a big sport or something Mm -hmm. like that? Well, a lot of times these athletes don't have any money, especially in the NCAA, they're not allowed to get paid. um, Yet they have to, you know, uh, you know, play in their sport all the time, still go to school, et cetera. So they Mm -hmm. usually don't have any money, which means they can't afford a good training team. They can't afford a nutritionist. They can't afford a good physical therapist. They can't afford all the things they need to keep their body healthy to prevent injury and to become a better athlete, right? But if they had a bunch of funding, someone to support them early on at a young age, maybe they could hire all those things and, you know, be able to optimize who they are as an athlete. And what's really cool is here is you can go, hey, I'm a pretty good athlete in high school. You know, my town believes in me, right? Especially in the US is popular. So I'm going to launch an NFT, 10,000 of them. And my fans in my town that maybe are part of my high school or part of my community, whatever, can buy this for X amount and fund me. Now, let's say I earn, I don't know, $50,000. I can go and pay for a good physical therapist, for a good trainer and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And that propels me as an athlete to hopefully make it to my college team or to a professional league, whatever. And now I can share some of those like revenues with that community and I can program that via an NFT. That to me is super, super cool. The other aspect that I thought of this is athletes don't just make money from the sport they play. Think of LeBron mm-hmm. James, right? The guy has a million sponsors with so many mm-hmm. different companies. He's launching businesses. He's doing so many other things. And so now I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This NFT is also a DAO and you can build this community to help you you know, realize other opportunities in the world of being an athlete. As an athlete, you're going to gain a big audience. So you can start to launch, I don't know, everyone launches a water or a vodka company, right? Or a tequila <laughs> company is what, I, what most athletes do. But now you have a DAO working around you to help you do that as you build your following and your audience as an athlete. So that is actually super, super cool. At first I was like, ah, I don't get it. Um, but I love it. Like I, man, if I'm in high school, if I was in high school again, shit, I would do this for sure. It'd be super cool. What do you think, Jay? You're a big sports fan. Yeah. It's interesting that you point out that this is for junior athletes. This isn't, doesn't have to be, but it can be, but this, but the likelihood that this is going to be used by a, a professional athlete is fairly low, right? A professional athlete already is, they've already got money. They they've made it. They don't need the additional funding to, like you said, pay the costs, which are very high costs to become a professional athlete, especially now, right? You want to become a professional athlete. You need to be, you know, as you said, you, you got to be spending a lot of money to get there. So I do think there is a big help for the junior level athletes, for the up and comers. This makes a lot of sense. And there's also, I think a great opportunity for I mean, the big, we always talk about community being the big unlock of Web3. Well, communities want to support their friends, their family members. And this is a great opportunity to support your somebody in your community in a meaningful way, right? By putting some money towards them making it, right? Them going and achieving their dreams. That's actually, I think this is great for humanity when you think about it in that manner. 
we're, we're tokenizing the world. Everything is becoming mm -hmm. tokenized. Yeah. And what's really cool is you can now have ownership in so many things and not mm -hmm. just ownership. It used to be you had you could have ownership in a commodity or in a company. Now you can have ownership of community, of culture, of mm -hmm. artists, of musicians, of whatever. And yeah, it brings a lot of speculation, everything, but like everyone now has the ability to just create equity of their life, just like this. Mm -hmm. Anyone, you can be an influencer, mm -hmm. you can be an athlete, you can be a musician and you can go, you know what? I think I'm going to make it. And I know I have a bunch of people who think I'm going to make it too. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mint a token or a bunch of tokens and I'm going to sell it to them. It's going to, you know, fundraise me and I'm going to share it with them. And they're going to help me build, which is so sick because I remember growing up, like when I found a musician that I loved, I would go around and run around and tell everyone, right? I wanted to be the first mm -hmm. person to introduce them to mm -hmm. a cool new band or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, fuck, I should be awarded for that, but I can't. How am I going to be rewarded for that? You can't, right? Even when Apple first launched the, I was one of the first in my school, in my high school to have the um, Apple, uh, what was it called? Before the iPhone, the um, the music one. iPod? iPod, yeah, yeah. One of the first, the first iPod that came out. And so I was running around showing people this thing and everyone loved it. And I was mm -hmm. like, shit, you know, I should be getting a commission here. Uh, and <laughs> I've just been an entrepreneur for a long time, I guess. Uh, and so what this does is it allows everyone to do that. And so I see a future 10 years from now or however long it's going to take where just you can just speculate and be involved in everything. And mm -hmm. we're now moving to like an equity economy, you know, and that to me is super, super interesting. I also think there's a... I think a lot of people might look at this and say, well, why would, why would anybody spend money on this in comparison to the other things that you currently spend money on in your life, right? Because we're not, this is a whole new category. We're not used to spending money on this. We are used to spending money on clothes and physical goods and coffee. Uh, so, but one big point here, I think, is we need to think about the current youth today who are very used to spending money on digital goods and the current digital goods that they are buying does not give them ownership right. the current digital goods they're buying they're spending billions of dollars on a jpeg in a game or on a sword in roblox so the, in all fairness, we that, did the same thing in Web3. <laughs> right. But, but they all turned appetite, out to be useless. <laughs> that appetite is there from the younger generation to yeah. buy digital goods. So I think that there's also, I, I think that we all we all look at this and we all think about like money. So like, okay, I'm going to invest in an athlete. How am I going to make money from that? But I think when the younger generation comes along and they do this, I actually don't think they're going to care about making money from this. They're going to say, cool, I get to invest in that athlete. I love that athlete. I think they're great. Like you said, they go to my high school. Yeah, I'll give them, I'll give them a hundred bucks and I'll feel good about it. And I don't care if it brings me any money back. I actually would rather, you know, support them. And maybe I get some merch down the road if they do well. But I do think there is, there is a difference in the view of expectation of profit versus being part of a community, which I think the today's youth see it very differently than we do yeah agreed i'd rather put my money in humans than in artificial things that are going to depreciate in value like clothes or cars right so i think that's a a great unlock as well okay jay so, so should we put our money where our mouth is should we invest in an athlete kai hell yeah i'll invest in an athlete who do you got you got any up and comers? I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have anyone. I don't think Fan Team's actually launched yet. It's just early. No, there's there's two athletes that are doing it already. I forget oh, uh, yeah? who they are. It's like a tennis player and something else. But I think if we're going to do this, we got to go over to Cuba and look for the, the star-studded kid who's going to make player? it to the MLB. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know that's really bad. Not a good thing. But the U.S. does this. And anyway, let's talk about the NFT of the month because I don't want to go into that any further. <laughs> okay. The NFT of the month. Voted by you. Guys, moving forward, we are no longer going to select our NFT, DAO, Web3 person, or tool of the month. You, our listeners, are now selecting this by voting on Twitter. 360 of you voted in the poll for NFT of the month this month. And the finalists were DeGods, QQL, Ranga, and our winner by an absolute landslide Pixelmon. That's right. You heard that right. Pixelmon. Now, for those of you who don't remember, last February, 
Pixelmon released an NFT with outlandish promises of the largest multiplayer world, the largest metaverse game that was going to launch in 2022 by Q3. And they raised $70 million in their mint. Their went, it was one of the biggest mints. And then the art reveal came and the art was absolute donkey shit. <laughs> Great I don't know how else to describe it. It was horrible pixelated art and it was the greatest rug pull there ever was now for those of you who aren't watching and can't see this right now it is like i think they actually hired people from fiverr to create this art like yeah, it is that was pixelated weird little animals in like this ugly grass and it just looks terrible they're not even like centered in the screen like it's the so worst thing bad. i've ever seen it's so bad which uh, i was surprised that we were going to select pixelmon here to be completely honest because i didn't know this but jay has taught me a little something new about what's happening so why don't you tell us where things are going since this okay wait but first i just need to bring up Kevin. So Kevin was one of the characters out of Pixelmon, this guy who I'm showing on screen right now, who if you're in, if you're an NFT gen, you know, Kevin, if you don't go Google Kevin Pixelmon. So when Pixelmon tanked, Kevin rose in value to the point where Kevin was selling for five, six ETH because Kevin mm. became a cultural phenomenon. And here's how we get to where we are today of Pixelmon winning NFT of the month is although it was an absolute rug pull, there was a massive community that really believed in this. And there was huge culture, meme culture developed out of this. A lot of, everybody knows the name Pixelmon. You might not know it necessarily what happened to it. And you might actually get it confused with Pokemon, which is also possible, but it, achieved a level of cultural relevance that not many others had. So a company named Liquid X came in about two months ago, actually, and bought a 60% share in Pixelmon, okay? And made promises that we are going to reinvent it. And then about uh, more recently, they went on a PR blitz, this is like a couple of weeks ago, went on a PR blitz and said, hey, we're reinventing Pixelmon. They relaunched the website and they changed the art. So Kai, remember that art I was just showing you? Mm -hmm. Check out the art now. Look at this. Wow. This is now the art. So for those of you who don't know this, this is a key thing to understand about NFTs is the when you own an NFT, you own the token on the blockchain. The image or the metadata or a video or whatever is attached to your NFT is not actually on the blockchain. So that can be changed. And we've talked about this in the past about uh, how clone X changed their metadata of one of their clones. If you want to learn about this, go back a couple of weeks ago, we talked with Kyle Tut from Pinata all about NFT metadata and how that is managed. But here we are, Pixelmon changed their images. Check them out. What do you think, Kai? I mean, they look not bad. It's, yeah. I mean, if you're playing a game that looks pretty legit. So I think that's cool. My, my big takeaway from this and the reason why I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's do NFT of the month here is this just proves the power of community, right? Like the, the, well, I'm not sure the guy's name that invested in this, that's part of that company there, but what do they see in the value of this? It was not the arts. It was not the ongoing revenue streams. Cause I think they had probably, well, maybe they had creator like royalties. I'm not sure. Um, but what they saw was the community, right? And they literally made an investment in this 100% because of community. Um, mm -hmm. And that is pretty mm -hmm. powerful. And if they can, I mean, they haven't done anything yet other than change the pictures. So like, I would say they're not actually, it's not like they're a success now, but uh, we'll see what they can do from this. Um, but it would be a really cool story if they can, if they can actually make things happen. Yeah. I want to be very clear, not financial advice. I, I mean, <laughs> can, you bought one, could be the you? greatest, could be the greatest comeback story of all time also could be a double rug pull. Like who knows, right? Like, <laughs> oh, no. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. That would because, be nuts. Because when you look at their website, there is some big promises that they're making once again, but their website is cool. It's, it's much better than their old website. It's revamped. 
It tells a great story. They, the one thing that they're saying is they're saying that they're going to do a land sale, which I'm like, you're going to sell no, more NFTs. Like what, what, why are you going to yeah, sell please more don't do NFTs? That. Honestly, I'm kind of hoping for the double rug <laughs> just be an incredible story like Rick, that would be so funny i'm kidding i don't want them to rug pull i hate these rug pulls but anyway uh, great job Pixelmon. uh and uh, we'll see where things go and for everyone listening uh a couple things so every week we are going to have these polls where you can choose the nft of the month dow of the month etc we also will be putting out tweets so that you can nominate people to be a part of these polls um so go to our twitter and check it out you'll see it on there already i think the next one is DAO? I don't know. What is it? Tool? DAO. 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 So if you're a DAO, go nominate on the tweet there and um, maybe you'll make it. This will be fun. And tune in next week so you can see who's winning. All right. It's quick hit time. Our first quick hit of the day. Uniswap announces they've raised $165 million in a Series B. Yeah, this actually just happened before we started recording, so it's still a developing story. We don't know too many details just yet, but basically they've taken in $165 million, and the whole point of this is, one, to build out their developer tools, of course, continue doing what they're doing, but it's actually to start with their launching NFTs in their NFT marketplace, mm. which they acquired, I forget the name of which one, uh, last year. Um, and also it is to start building Uniswap in the mobile version. So, I mean, I'm super bullish on this. Uniswap, the the unicorn, as their their logo is, uh, of our industry, um, you know, they are going to push mobile first for crypto and geez, do we ever need that? So this is super exciting. Still don't know what the value of their company is at 165 million raise. We'll have to wait and see what percent they're giving out on this raise. Um, but I mean, last time they did a raise, they were in the billions. So I'm going to assume they will remain in the billions, but let's see what happens. That's it for me. All right, Jay, next cool. one up here. America's oldest bank, BNY, Mellon, will hold your crypto now. What's going on here? I mean, again, going mainstream, we got BNY Mellon, 200-year-old bank, the largest custody bank in the world, is now going to custody your crypto. Now, this is not a uh, retail custody that they're launching. This is just them starting, and they're starting with commercial custody. So they're looking to work with their large corporate partners, corporate accounts, and they're going to start to custody the crypto for them. So they will hold the seed phrase and ensure that your crypto assets are safe. And then they're also going to offer uh, some bookkeeping services and some basic services along with that. Clearly, the big, the big thing here is how quickly will other banks follow, right? Is this, are we about to see a landslide over the, towards the end of this year? I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Many more banks follow suit. This was reported in the Wall Street Journal, folks. This is big news, mainstream news. Wall Street is noticing crypto. Yes, they still have a lot of fear. Yes, they're not quite ready to go full into it, but it's happening. Boring old banking stuff, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, Brian Roberts, CFO of OpenSea, steps down. Yeah, this is big. Um, I mean, I don't even know if it is big, to be completely honest. Still don't really know exactly why he stepped down. Um, you know, he he was part of Lyft before this. Uh, and now at OpenSea, I mean, obviously he's seen OpenSea through to kind of their peak of, of November of last year. So he helped build a, a pretty incredible product. You know, um, they've done an amazing job. And so kudos to Brian for everything he did for OpenSea. We would be nowhere without OpenSea, to be completely honest, the NFT mm -hmm. industry that is. Mm -hmm. Um where he goes next, I don't know. I would bet he's trying to go and maybe start his own thing. Maybe he just has his own ideas here. He still looks fairly young. Um, so I don't think it's because of anything bad that happened at OpenSea. At least nothing has come out on that. We'll see. Um, but uh, part some people are speculating because if you look at the charts, you know, NFT volume and that is down, you know, 90 something percent. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's leaving right at the same time that that happened. So is he is he leaving in uh, as NFTs are dying? Uh, I'm going to assume no. Uh, I'm super <sighs> bullish on NFTs. Um, so we'll see where Brian heads next. But uh, thanks for your service, sir. Kyle, bullish on NFTs, folks. <laughs> bullish on NFTs. Yeah. I just got a comment. His line, his first line in his uh, goodbye tweet well, it is time for me to come ashore from the open seas. Oh, nice one. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, Jay. Manifold announces zero fee marketplace for creators. Okay. So Manifold, which is a leading marketplace, which actually is the same marketplace that Christie's 3.0 is using, which we talked about on last week's podcast. Mm. Christie's the oldest auction house in the world is using Manifold. And Manifold is going to do a zero fee marketplace. I want to be clear here. This is a zero fee marketplace not a zero royalty marketplace. So there's the difference, right? The zero royalties would be zero, zero royalties go back to the creator. That's what PseudoSwap has done and uh, 2Y2X. And then there's, this is a zero fee marketplace. So OpenSea takes a 2.5% fee on their marketplace. Manifold's going to do a zero fee marketplace. This is really big news because this is really, I think, where a lot of the marketplaces are headed. They're all headed in the direction of of zero fees or low fees. So way to go manifold, shout out, keep it up. It all goes to zero. <laughs> okay, OpenSea adds Avalanche NFTs. Wow, OpenSea getting a lot of, uh, in NFT marketplace getting a lot of talk here. Um, I mean, look, OpenSea has said this, they're trying to be the general biggest, you know, marketplace there is in the space. And so in order to do that, they need to be on multiple different uh, blockchains. Um, I don't know that there's much of an NFT ecosystem over on Avalanche. Uh, myself, I don't really use Avalanche and I'm not very bullish on Avalanche, um, to be completely honest. But OpenSea's got to do what they got to do. And so they are on Solana now. They are now on Avalanche. Um, and I'm sure they will continue to be on other blockchains that that pop up around here. Um, so OpenSea just doing OpenSea things, man. I would wonder if Magic Eden comes out next and now launches on uh, Avalanche <laughs> as well. We'll see. I don't know that the Avalanche NFT ecosystem makes it through the bear market though. They did two, 2.4 million in NFT volume in September. Oh, that's okay. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad, but I, yeah, I agree. I'm not sure what their uh, value prop is. All right. Microsoft and Meta partnership brings Office 365 apps to the metaverse. <laughs> okay. Who I started to start with laughing. Who uses Office 365 still? That's uh, terrible. It's just like the worst, the worst apps, the worst experience. Um, okay, I got two, I'm gonna play two sides on this quick take. One side is that this is a, a great thing. And the reason this is a great thing is because Microsoft Office has massive users. Most corporations use Microsoft Office for Word, Excel, Outlook, their email management. And we want those people to come into the metaverse. And Meta is clearly the best organization at right now at, capable of working with Microsoft to develop these virtual worlds where they can exist. I mean, a lot of the large corporations in the world have been trying to do virtual meetings, not just the way we do in Zoom, but even beyond that for, for a while, especially with COVID, they're trying to create that experience to be create more of an office experience and Meta understands that and Microsoft understands that. So that's my good take on this. My bad take on this is I don't think anybody who uses Office, office 365 has a fucking clue what the metaverse is. I don't think they have a <laughs> digital wallet. I don't think they want a digital wallet. Like it's the total wrong target audience. What I don't understand is go out and buy a company that's actually doing this that's smaller or start with a smaller, a smaller play on this because there's just... I don't think this is the way that this is adoption will happen at the Office 365 level. Well, like we don't that know that of... Meta's metaverse is going to have wallets and stuff, right? You're this is a naive take for someone who <laughs> loves who loves Web3. They might go the completely opposite route. <laughs> okay, Meta Metaplex token plunges 68% after adding Solana NFT collection collectors to airdrop. Yeah, so this is a, a application on Solana where they, they launched a token, they gave it to the people who were creating on top of their application. And then they said, well, we want to kind of do a marketing play here and drop these tokens that we have that have value to um, anyone who has ever interacted with an NFT on Solana, essentially. So they had 40 million tokens, they airdropped it to, I'm not sure how many people it is exactly, but it was a lot of users. Um, and what do you think the users, the users did when they received these tokens? 
They sold them. Sell they them. completely dumped them. And it makes no sense. If you're going to launch a token, your token needs to go to the people who want to actually hold your token and they want to vote or they believe and they're bullish in your project and they're going to hold on to it. That's how the value of your token remains. You don't use a token and just launch it to anyone and everyone who doesn't care about your project because they're just it's just free money that obviously they're going to sell. So this is a bad idea. Uh, I'm not saying you don't do airdrops to people as a marketing play. You just don't do it this big to a bunch of people who don't really know who you are. Um, which is a bad idea. And now 68% has gone down and their existing token holders just got completely essentially rugged. Um, so terrible idea. We will explore oh more on how to do this properly in the future, by the way. Yeah. All right. Last, last one of the week. CEO of Sushi Swap fingers a horse. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that right, folks. You heard that right. Okay. CEO Jared Gray, who is the CEO of Sushi Swap, apparently is being investigated for sexual assault of a horse only in crypto. i don't I, I i don't actually know the the truth behind the story i don't know if any of us do but it it absolutely blew up and it's been i mean the memes that have been happening on crypto crypto twitter have been insane and not to mention sushi swap their token dropped 12% amid these acquisitions. I've got the chart up on screen here. You see the drop. I'm, I, I just, I know how to profit. There was a way to profit off of this. Did you see this? No. So, oh, the, the, this is the altcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought of you course. So good. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So of course, in, in typical crypto fashion, because we just love what crypto happens to do. The moment this came out, as Jay said, of course, a bunch of memes and everything. Someone launches the Horsch token right <laughs> on the blockchain and it goes up six thousand percent in one day so that's just crypto being crypto and what a lovely place to be in you guys are hilarious i absolutely love it i mean i don't love whatever this <laughs> ceo did but that's so funny <laughs> uh, all right that's our quick hits for the week before we wrap the show let's talk about the poll of the week from the last week kai we had an interesting poll last week. We asked which tech giant will onboard the most users onto Web3. Google, Facebook, and Twitter, or other, were the options. And Google won. 40% said Google, 23% said Facebook, and 32% said Twitter. Jay, you didn't What's vote. your take on this? My vote, my take is that you didn't vote. I can see. <laughs> I did not vote, no. But... <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's going to be Facebook personally, uh, maybe Twitter if with Elon taking over. But yeah, I kind of think it's going to be Facebook mainly because they're already integrating with NFTs. Um, Google, I'm not sure how Google onboards people. I think they're going to onboard a lot of devs. I don't know how they onboard the mainstream into just because it seems like social media is the natural fit to onboard people here. Um, and so Twitter or Facebook seem to be better positioned. Google, I, I'm just not exactly sure, but who knows? I mean, we'll Google, Google is the king of apps, right? They built so many major Web two apps. Yeah. If they decided to make Web three apps to make some DApps, then that could be the big onboarding. We right. haven't, I guess, we haven't seen any of that so far. Google's been very focused on like the infrastructure layer, which makes sense. They are the right. data layer of our current internet. So uh, actually, I'll tell you my take. It's none of these three. It's Reddit. Reddit's going to do it 100%. Mm. Once they launch mm -hmm. their tokens on Arbitrum, which they've already, they're, they're planning they've to already do done. soon, they're well yeah. ahead of, of everyone else. Uh, that's going to onboard, I think they have almost 500 million users and it's going to onboard them all the tokens just like that. Um, so I think it's going to be Reddit. Did anyone say yeah, that Reddit in the comments? Natural like onboarding it. for sure. Yeah. That's my guess. You heard it here first, folks. I wish I could. Well, I guess I could. I could mint a token. We could all bet on it and put some futures. And that's the fun thing about this space, right? Do we have another poll? Um, What's coming up next for, for our, our listeners? We actually haven't launched our poll yet. Watch out for it. It'll be coming out in the next few days. The main, uh, the objective here is for every week for us to have a poll and for you guys to participate and tell us what you're thinking so that we can learn more together as a community. We're building community and we want you to be a part of that. And uh, we just, yeah, we're so grateful for you guys. So grateful for our listeners. It's uh it's a joy to do the show every week. Kai, I don't know about you, but this is my favorite hour of the week. 
Best hour of the week, no doubt. We're going to try to start doing it live, actually. So the Ooh. hour of the week may change, but we'll see. So if you follow us on Twitter, which is Web3 Academy underscore, or you follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, we may do this live with the community. Let's see. We'll see what we can do here. But it's been be fun. fun. Do it live, and then people can comment and share their feedback and yeah. ask questions. Tell us when we're answer. wrong. <laughs> tell us when we're wrong. Please do tell us when we're wrong. We're not. We're not right all the time. Although we, they, we try our hardest. They can shun uh, Jay for not voting on his own polls. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's a boomer and doesn't use Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah I no. actually. What's funny is I don't even think that you saw. You shared a Tim Ferriss tweet yesterday, and I yeah. commented on it, and I was like. This is great, but I don't think you're even going to know that I comment on your tweet. And I didn't you haven't see it. Said anything. Yeah, I know. I didn't see it. <laughs> Speaking anyway, of that, Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss tweeted out, he, and this is a reason to launch, to get involved in Web3. He saw his biggest day of email subscribers yesterday because he said that if you subscribe to his email, you would be told about his upcoming nft launch and yeah, that's just like a bunch of spammers he showed the chart went off the yeah possibly he got scammed possibly. is what happened he, got, he doesn't he quite know that yet <laughs> it's the same thing that happened to us with lens all right friends thank you so much for listening and uh we will see you in the next roll up next week peace out thank you for listening to web3 academy we hope this helps you along your web3 journey if it does please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.